This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 8.36, it's Friday, 2nd of February, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. and I'm Wong Xiaoning. In about 30 minutes, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But before that, let's talk about the global economic outlook because the International Monetary Fund recently upgraded its global growth forecast for this year by 0.2 percentage points to 3.1%. This Washington-based institution cited better-than-expected strength in the US economy and fiscal support measures in China among the reasons for its improved optimism. However, this forecast is still lower than in the two decades before the pandemic when it averaged at 3.8%. As the IMF said, the public spending cuts and tighter central bank policy continue to weigh down on growth. Meanwhile, on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve held interest rates steady at 5.25% for a fourth straight meeting, but did not fully embrace financial markets' view that rate cuts could come as early as March. So, can the Fed avoid the cardinal sin of cutting and then having to reverse course again? And is the world's economy in a better place now? For an outlook, we speak to Selena Ling, Chief Economist at OCBC Bank. Good morning, Selena, and thanks for joining us again. Now, the IMF, like we said just a few minutes ago, recently raised its forecast for global growth this year to 3.1%. Is OCBC also taking a more optimistic outlook for the world economy and... You know, is are we in the final descent towards a soft landing? Thank you and good morning to everyone. I think generally what we do see from a lot of our client polls is that, you know, uh, market sentiments have improved uh, from last year. So at this time last year, they were mostly concerned about recession and inflation. Today, our clients seem to be more worried about geopolitical tensions. So their concerns on recession and inflation are taking a little bit of a back seat. And I think generally, you know, everyone's hoping that the Fed and the other major central banks will cut rates pretty soon. And that will kind of stave off a hard landing scenario. So if we do get a situation, you know, of a soft landing where growth is slowing or fairly stable and inflation is coming off, then it's basically kind of like a Goldilocks situation. Mm. So we're quite hopeful that it'll be a soft-ish landing. We don't really see outright uh, recession risk for the US right now, even though I think they are still in for a little bit of a slowdown. And depending on when the Fed actually cuts rates, you know, then that could um, hopefully usher in a turnaround story later part this year. But here in Asia, growth is fairly resilient. Um, the main concerns still largely revolve around China. That's the elephant in the room, mainly because of what's happening in the property market, uh, weak consumer spending, and also the pressure on the renminbi. And Selena, you talked about uh, the geopolitical risk there, and presumably that's exacerbated by the fact that half of the world's population will pick their governments in upcoming elections. You know, what are you keeping an eye on, and should we keep some of this risk uh, reflected in the global markets? Well, elections should actually be par for the cause, but of course, the few key elections that we're watching out for, uh, we do have Indonesia coming up fairly soon. And of course, uh, later part of the year, you know, you have India and then um, in November itself, you have the US presidential elections. So let me talk a little bit maybe about Indonesia first, because there are three uh, candidates that are running. It is not clear at this point in time whether, you know, which pen- candidate pair can actually win an outright uh, majority in the first round. And if they don't, then basically they will go into the second round runoff, which will only happen on June 26. So it does 
probably mean that there could be quite a prolonged period of uncertainty. And typically when this happens, you know, businesses uh, may wait and see, so they may hold off some of their investments and capex uh, spending and hiring. So we could get a little bit of a slowdown in terms of the economic activity until there's some clarity on who is the winner and what his uh, promises on the economy and policy will be. And then for the U.S. presidential elections in November, um, some of the polls in the U.S. are suggesting that Trump uh, is leading Biden, you know, by about one to possibly four percentage points. Of course, it's still very far off. Um, uh, it's still early stage. It's hard to tell things will evolve, especially depending on how the economy, the labor market and the Fed policy actually materializes. But I think markets kind of like trying to grapple with the concept of, you know, if Trump comes back into office, what does that mean for global growth and trade? Because he has said um, with his America first philosophy, you know, he's going to impose 10% goods tariff on uh, basically everyone in the world. Mm. So it's not just against China per se. I think that's going to weigh, I think, on global growth and trade. Okay, staying on the topic of the United States. Well, like we said earlier, the Fed actually stood pat at Wednesday's meeting and tried to reset expectations on where the rate cycle will actually begin. So does this change OCBC's house view in terms of the number of rate cuts and the quantum of it? Um, our house view still remains that we only expect the Fed to basically cut rates around the middle of the year. So uh, May uh, meeting may be live, June definitely. And we do expect that they will cut at least four times of 25 basis points, adding up to a cumulative 100 basis points before the year is out. This, I would say, is a fairly conservative estimate. Uh, mainly because we need to see, you know, the next three sets of inflation and core PCE data that will come out, how things, whether inflation is really coming off and gives them room to actually start to cut rates. I think as far as the financial markets are concerned, you know, they tend to be very forward looking. So they, uh, you know, if you look at the futures pricing, it's kind of like swung all over the place. Mm. At one point, they were pricing in uh, more than 170 basis points of rate cuts this year. Then when uh, the Fed rhetoric started to push back on uh, the imminency of a rate cut, then it went down to as low as you know 130 basis points. And now it's somewhere in between on the lower side. So basically, they are reactive to every new piece of economic data that comes out. They are also very reactive to the Fed rhetoric. So when you look at what Fed uh, Chair Powell's uh, comments during his press conference, he managed to basically push back on expectations for an early rate cut. But market still basically took his overall speech as an endorsement for the next move to be a cut. So in response, what we saw is that markets have part back expectations for a March cut, but they have actually added to the total magnitude of rate cuts expected this year. So that's the way, you know, hmm. the dice actually falls. Um, they are very, very reactive. And Celine, do you think the Asia-Pacific central banks will follow the direction of the US Fed? I think at this point, um, you know, everyone's waiting for the Fed um, and probably the ECB to to basically lead the way. If you remember, Fed has done a very aggressive and uh, rate hike cycle, and I think if they start to cut rates, it um, basically does two things. One is to signal that inflation, uh, the inflation genie really is being pushed back into the bottle, and secondly, you know that uh, it will give some relief uh, on the dollar strength, and you know then we won't see the pressure on Asian uh, currencies. But across Asia itself, I would say that um, it's going to be quite differentiated because there are some idiosyncratic risks domestically. 
The central banks that have hiked more aggressive uh, this uh, cycle are better placed to ease. So this will include like uh, Bank Indonesia, BSP and RBI. So for Indonesia, you know, we think that growth considerations is going to dominate. So BI may actually cut um, by up to 125 basis points this year. For Philippines and India, um, the rate cut cycle probably will be a little bit more restrained uh, between 75 to 100 basis points, given that inflation is a little bit stickier. Then for Bank uh, Negara, Malaysia and BOT, um, because the this round when they hike rates, it was really more of a normalization story to historically neutral rates. Therefore, we don't really expect them to change policy rates this year. Selena, can we talk about China? Sure. Uh, what are your expectations there for growth? Consensus on Bloomberg is showing uh, GDP growth of 4.6%. Do you think that that number can be achieved? Well, if you look at what a lot of the cities uh, in China have come up with their own growth targets, they typically tend to be around the 5% handle. So that kind of suggests that the national growth target uh, when announced at the March MPC is probably going to be around 5%. So that is higher than where the street actually is right now. Like you mentioned, you know, it's in a four plus kind of percentage range. But if you recall last year in 2023, uh, market also got a little bit carried away because of the bumpy uh, recovery story in China and all the problems that they had with property and uh, others. So that always, I think, will tend to be a divergence between where market thinks growth is going to be and where the national uh, targets are going to be. I think at the end of the day, I mean, for last year, they did still come in uh, within uh, their growth target, even though it was a bit of a challenging ride. This year, we think that the policy uh, is going to be more supportive. I mean, the fact that they did a surprise triple R cut recently suggests that they are responding to some of the challenges that they face on the economy side. And I think fiscal and monetary policy uh, will be on tap. We do expect that they probably will cut LPR possibly as soon as after Chinese New Year. Right. And then on the fiscal side, they have already announced you know, the special bond issuance that they probably will run a bigger fiscal deficit as well this year. So net-net, I think that is going to be supportive of growth. So it's hard to give you an exact number. I do think that um, they will probably try to come in close to 5%. Uh, may not be as bearish as what uh, some of the market uh, players are anticipating. But that's it. You know, the headline growth number really only tells half or even less than half the story because we really have to zoom in on what's happening you know, on the ground. And we do know that for the property sector, it is a very, very challenging time. Uh, transaction uh, levels have dropped. Uh, the price correction, we think, probably has not run its course. This year, I think there will be rising foreclosures. China is grappling with a real threat of deflation. Uh, consumer and producer prices have dipped into negative territory. There is a vicious kind of a negative wealth effect that's ongoing because of the property slump. So the households that have uh, you know, invested in property uh, feel poorer and they spend less and then it, you know, it kind of like goes round and round in circles. So I do think that the challenges are very real. Um, even if the growth number comes in you know, between 45 or 5%, uh, it doesn't tell the full story. 
All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Selena Ling, Chief Economist at OCBC Bank, ending the conversation on her outlook for China. So likely they can achieve this GDP growth of 45 to 5%. But underneath it is a whole bevy of structural issues. Uh, you have, of course, the property crisis she didn't mention, but there's also youth unemployment, for example. Those are some of the headwinds facing the Chinese economy. Now, up next, we're going to take a look at the KL Local Plan 2040 and why you should participate. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.